0: Church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon.
1: If you have your Bibles, if you can turn with me to the book of Second Kings chapter seven, verse three. Second Kings chapter seven, beginning with verse three. Amen. Pray for my wife. She has the stomach bug. My kids caught it on the way here. On the way here was a riot. We were driving and uh I believe I I cracked a cylinder. And so uh smoke is blowing out in the street. I was burning oil. My kids were sick. My son was sick on the way here. And uh but we made it and so we're excited about what God's gonna do. Um I want to start off by asking a couple questions. Uh, one is, are there personal struggles that you fail to overcome in life? Or are there personal failures that you have failed to overcome in life? So to overcome failure and struggles in life, you have to take action even when it seems impossible to overcome. Taking action says, God, I allow you uh, to take control over the outcome of my life. So it's putting your faith and your trust in God when you're going through some difficulties. I want to share a story with you about a gentleman named, uh, uh, I believe it's Audie Murphy. He was uh, known as a man that took action and uh, known so much for his uh, uh, breakthrough in the war and, and, and overcoming certain uh, uh, certain areas uh, on the battlefield that they have TV shows about him back back in the day. And my father told me he used to watch Uh, TV shows as a kid um, about this man, but uh, Murphy was born on June 20th, 1925, and passed away May 28th, 1971. He was one of the most decorated American combat soldiers in World War II, receiving every military combat award uh, for valor from the U.S. Army. Murphy received the Medal of Honor for valor demonstrated at the age of 19 for single-handedly holding off an entire company of German soldiers for an hour at the Colmar Pocket in France on January of 1945, then leading a uh, successful counterattack while he was wounded and out of ammunition. I mean, it was hard to to, to uh, counterattack when you don't have any ammunition. So he took action. He believed, you know what, we're going try to try to win this battle. Murphy had a difficult upbringing. His father abandoned him and his mother died when he was a teenager. He left school in fifth grade to go pick cotton to find work to help support his family. Murphy's older sister helped him falsify documentation about his birth date to meet the minimum age requirement for enlisting into the military. And after being turned, by, turned down by the Navy and the Marine Corps, he enlisted into the Army. He was 16 years old, he was five five and he weighed 110 pounds. Just a little guy, and he was a, he was a war hero. Murphy became a war hero by all that he accomplished. In 1944, he encountered a German machine gun crew that pretended that they were surrendering. And when they did that, they shot his best friend. In retaliating, Murphy killed everyone in the gun nest and used their weapons to kill everyone in a 100-yard radius. There's another uh, a scenario. He jumped inside of an M10 tank destroyer that was burning and used it to annihilate every enemy in sight and then jumped cleared before it exploded. said he did it while he had malaria. So here's a man. He's, he, he, he was a man that was known to take action. Despite all odds, Murphy was a man that took action and believed in, uh, that he could overcome and conquer. In our own lives, to parallel that, is despite all odds, taking action gives you an opportunity to overcome. So you can go through difficulties, you can go through struggles, it looks impossible. This man had no ammunition, he had uh, no ammo to be able to retaliate, but he took action and because he did, he was able to come out on top. And spiritually in our own lives, we have to take action in order to come out on top. If you fail to take action in the difficult areas in your own personal life, then the opportunities of overcoming... Those difficult areas in your life are not going to be a possibility for you. But if you take action, even when life looks difficult, when you're going through struggles, it looks impossible to break through. Uh, Even when you've seen others fail, your faith is at work and God is able to uh, be pleased by your faith and you're able to overcome. Amen. Let's look in our text. The question is, are you taking action even when it seems impossible to overcome? In 2 Kings Chapter 7, verse 3 through 9. One of my uh, favorite stories in the Bible. It says, Now there are four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, Let us into the city, the famine's in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we shall die also. So now let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall die. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians sound like a a sound of chariots and of horses and the sound of a great army. So they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of, uh, of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was. And fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and they ate and drank and carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent, carried off uh, things from it and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This is a good day for news. If we are silent and wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come let us go and Tell the king's household. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. God, we ask that you would help us, give us strength to take action, even when it seems impossible to overcome. Lord, that we can put our full trust in you. We thank you for bringing us here together once again to hear your word. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. And everyone says, amen. everyone says, amen. amen. Praise God. Uh, so there are three things that I want to look at in order to give you strength to take action. So Murphy took action. Not only did he take action, he had to take the correct action. And that was the fight, right? The wrong action, his life could have totally been different. They uh, had TV shows about him. You can read about him. One of the most decorated combat soldiers in, in, in the war. And because he took action, we know about his uh, conquering of today. We can read it. We can know about him. You have to be able to take action even when it seems impossible to overcome. One, you have to diagnose your current condition the condition that you're in, two, you have to avoid negative atmospheres, and three, you have to have hope and impossible possibilities in order for you to overcome in life. Everyone in this place has the ability to take action under extreme pressures in our own lives. And so one, in order to take the right action, you have to diagnose your current condition. So in our text, the Bible talks about these lepers outside the gate of the city. So we know they're lepers. They have leprosy. And so to understand why they're outside the gate of the city, we have to understand the situation they're in. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, verse 44 uh, and through uh, 46, the uh, word of God tells us about leprosy. It's considered an unclean spirit and uh, uh, you're considered unclean. And so with this disease, um, if you're sick with leprosy back in those times, in biblical times, you had to uh, cover your face halfway down. You had to cover your face. You couldn't you couldn't dress up. You had to wear uh, clothes that are all messed up. You couldn't do your hair. And so back in those times, you couldn't couldn't do your hair. You couldn't get ready. And as you're walking, you had to cry out unclean, unclean, so that you can warn people around you that that you're sick. Uh, Don't go near me uh, to (laughs) to, uh, relate it to today. It's like you got COVID, right? Hey, I got COVID. Stay away from me. Put your put your mask on. And so here here they are. Leprosy is considered an unclean thing. And so these four men are outside the gate of the city. They had to uh, diagnose their condition. These men in our text begin to talk amongst each other about their condition, and they wanted to find out what action they needed to take in order to survive. So here they are. They're standing outside of the gate of the city. They're starving. They're hungry. But rather than just staying put, they wanted to make a decision to be able to survive. Rather than growing comfortable with where they were in life, rather than accepting the condition that they were in, they decided to take action and they started marching to the camp of the Syrians. And man, many times people get stuck in a position in life because they grow comfortable with who they are or what they've become. Who you has ever asked someone, I don't know if you guys are going you go on outreach or you have a family member or a friend or, you know, why is it you do what you do? And the response is, this is just who I am, right? Uh, maybe someone who's bound by alcohol, bound by drugs, or they're addicted to uh, their emotion. Why, why is it you, this is just who I am. And that's a lie from hell. Amen. Uh, I want to share a uh, testimony about my wife and um, her upbringing. She had a rough upbringing. She was, uh, um, she was surrounded by drugs. Her mother was a drug addict and um, um, her mom um, was involved in heroin. She started with pills and then graduated from that and started doing heroin. So my, my wife had two younger sisters, and so she was forced to kind of uh, mature at a young age. And uh, during a time of her life, around 10 years old, my wife, uh, she was, she was kind of forced to mature at a young age, and she confronted her own mother, and she told her mom, Hey, Mom, I know what you're doing. And when she confronted her, she said that you're either going to choose the drug or you're going to choose me. And so at that time, you would think if your own child confronts you about something that you're doing, that it will give you some, some, some sense to, to realize that you need to change. But instead, her mom pulls out the needle and shoots up the drug in her arm right in front of her daughter, right in front of my wife. And so at that time, my wife, no, no doubt, was going through some difficulty. And as a young girl, she had to knock on doors at times when her mom was strung out and ask for hot dogs, ask for food. And uh, so she had something to eat and feed her, uh, feed her sisters. And so uh, during this time, she's, she's no doubt distraught and going through some things. And as a 10, 11-year-old girl, she went to bed and she began to cry and she prayed. She said, God, if you're real, take this away from me. And uh, after she said that prayer, uh, time went by and she uh, approached her mom and her, her, uh, her body's shutting down, and this drug is uh, uh, eating her up. And um, uh, she went to bed that night, and my wife got up, walked into the bedroom, and found her mother passed away on the floor. And, uh, um, and here she is, and, and, and my wife was sharing me the story and what she had gone through. And uh, her asking her mom to change, uh, her mom shooting the needle isn't saying, I love this needle more than you. What she's saying is, this is who I am, and you're going to have to accept it. So hey, here has a little girl and, and, and uh, my wife going through this. She despised this drug. She despised how she grew up. She ended up moving with her father, who was an alcoholic at the time. And um, um, the the very thing that she hated was the very thing she was becoming. She started taking drug, uh, She started taking pills, uh, smoking, and then she went to a revival with Pastor Roman Gutierrez and. Um, uh, If you've been in the fellowship long enough you probably know his backstory his backstory he was involved in heroin his father passed away when he was 11 years old and uh, the testimony uh, touched my wife she heard it in the sermon and she responded to salvation the very thing she was becoming God exposed it and she responded and took action and God set her free and she's delivered and and and, uh living for God today and so here here's uh uh, what I want to get at is a uh you begin to, uh, be uh, your iniquity is who you are. It's what you become. Sin is what you do. Iniquity is who you become. And so uh, uh, my wife, here she is. She made a decision and God was able to expose that in her life. And she gave her life to Christ. And then uh, there's another thing I want to share with you, an illustration. Of all the birds in the world, none can be as clever and as cruel as the, the brood parasites. And they're uh, called cowbirds. These opportunistic animals, what they do is they'll fly around and wait for a mother bird to leave her nest. And this bird will go into that nest and lay an egg and then take off so they don't have to spend money on child care. (laughs) They drop drop an egg in the nest and, and it'll leave. But this cowbird, the egg that they leave usually hatches before its adopted siblings. And so the mother bird that owns that nest, that's trying to incubate her eggs, is now taking care of another egg that doesn't belong to her. And little does she know, she's harvesting something that doesn't belong there and is going to destroy her offspring. If we're not careful this evening, the enemy can plant something in our lives that doesn't belong there and we begin to harvest that and take care of it until it becomes our identity and it begins to destroy your future. So here's my wife. She was harvesting something that didn't belong there. She hated the drug, but that's the very thing that she was becoming. Iniquity is who you become. Sin is what you do. You're named after your sin. My wife's mother is considered a drug addict because she was named after her sin. That's her iniquity. Uh, the unnatural thing you claim to be our identity can be the very thing that destroys your future and your destiny in God. If you fail to discern the current condition that you're in, then you're going to take the wrong action that's needed to break through in your own personal life. But if you're able to discern the iniquity that's in your life, if you're able to discern what you're becoming in your life, then you're able to take the right action in your current situation. The question is, can you discern what you have become or can you discern what you're becoming? In life, you can live for God for some time. You can do good. You can do right. And and all of a sudden, the enemy wants to plant something in your life and you have to be able to discern what the enemy is putting in your life. Iniquity is not an action, but the character of an action. And hence, we get the expression in the Bible, the iniquity of my sin. In the book of Psalms, chapter 32, verse 5, I know a reference off of King David this morning. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. That was his identity. I didn't cover up my identity. I said I would confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So he forgave the guilt of what he had done. David, his iniquity, he grew comfortable with who he was. In order to take action, you must discern your current condition. So here's King David.
2: Hey there, Sermon Podcast listeners. This is Pastor Adam back with you again. Wanted to just take a second here to thank you once again for listening to this sermon podcast. We've had an explosive rate of growth and listenership for the past few weeks. And we hope that you appreciate these daily sermons to encourage you and help you. I just want to share a couple of ratings that we've gotten in the Apple podcast application. Clint B. writes a five-star review. He said, I am so grateful for our fellowship. Thank you. This podcast, very helpful through the day. Uh, Bobby Sanford from North Carolina said, inspiring. Awesome to hear sermons that are encouraging and inspiring to the church. Uh, We could really use your help to add a couple more of these very helpful reviews. Uh, These do help us to get the word out about this podcast. I want you to know that we have a truly worldwide impact with this podcast from the United States to the UK, Australia, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand, South Africa, Netherlands, Canada, Romania, Afghanistan, Namibia. Vietnam, Switzerland, Kenya, India, Russia, Hong Kong, Ghana, Uganda, Guam, Emeritus, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Zambia, Japan, Jamaica, Malaysia, Israel, Ukraine. The list goes on and on of nations that are listening to these sermons. So we just want to say thank you for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you're sharing these when you hear a good one, and please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you leave a five-star rating and a review of what you like about this podcast. Thank you again for listening, and back to the rest of the sermon.
1: He, uh, he saw a saw sheep, and the Bible says during a time when the kings would go out to battle that David decided, you know what, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to stay home, I'm going a, I'm to a hang out, and I'm just going to relax. So he compromised. And after he did that, the Bible says he saw Bathsheba bathing, and he calls her up, and he gets her pregnant. He commits adultery. And after he gets her pregnant, he wants to cover it up. So he calls Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, back from battle and tries to get Uriah to go home with his wife. And Uriah says, you know what? All your men are on, on the battlefield. Why shall I go home with my wife? And so instead, David writes his own death letter. David writes a death letter for Uriah, rolls up, gives, gives it to Uriah. He carries his own death sentence to battle. He's placed in the forefront of battle and he's murdered. He's, he's killed in battle. So here's David. Life goes on. He takes Bathsheba as his wife. And finally, he's, uh, he's confronted by the prophet. The prophet Nathan confronts David and tells him, Here you are. Uh, I want to share a story with you. Here's a man, a rich man, had plenty of lambs. And there's a poor man that had one lamb. It was a pet. And so instead of the rich man slaughtering what was his, he stole from the poor man and slaughtered it and gave it to his guests. And the Bible says that King David was furious. He was mad, he was upset. Said this man deserves to die. King David, he didn't even he didn't even know that was it was about him. Here's the prophet points at David, you're the man, you've done this thing. And David's now exposed, but he repented and God was able to set him free and rescue him. If you can discern the condition that you're in, acknowledge your sin to Christ and expose and realize what you've become, confess it to the living God, he'll begin you on your path and destiny and purpose. You have a purpose and God has a plan for you this evening. And he can use you for powerful things. The Bible says he's considered a man after God's own heart. Amen. you do reap what you sow, but he was considered a man after God's own heart. And God was able to help And through that lineage of Bathsheba, they believe is a lineage of Christ. That's how redeeming God is. The second thing I want to look at in order to take the right action, you must avoid negative atmosphere. So in our text, these four lepers are standing outside the gate of the city. So one, they had to discern their condition. We have leprosy. And two, they had to discern what kind of atmosphere they're going to put themselves in. If they would have went into the city with leprosy and it's already in a famine, they're not going to be first in line, right? They're not going to be first in line to eat. You're going to be last. (laughs) We're going to eat. Our children are going to eat. The families are going to eat. And uh, those who are sick with leprosy are probably not going to eat, especially with the famine. So they had to discern that. Too many times, people would rather die slowly spiritually than to make drastic changes for God to move in their life. Negative atmospheres can turn into a normal atmosphere that is not normal in the eyes of God. Um, there's a there's a video that I saw. uh, it was a beeping waiting room, and uh, it was uh, it was on YouTube and I, where I saw. It and they're doing a study. They want to see how uh, people can influence a person on their actions. And so they walked into a doctor's office. And it's just a, a doctor's office, chairs are lined up on the wall, and they installed a speaker in the room. And there's people that are part of the study, and uh, a woman walked in, and she didn't know about the study. She was uh, the person that was going to be tested. She sat down in her waiting seat, um, and she signed herself in, sat down. And as they're sitting there, the beep goes off on the speaker beep. Everybody stood up right where they were and sat right back down after a couple seconds. So she's sitting in her chair. She's looking around, just kind of confused. And all of a sudden, the beep goes off again. Beep. Everybody stands up again. And they all sit back down. So finally, by the third, third time, she stands up with them and joins them. And they all sit back down. And so as she's there, the beep goes off. She's joining them. So now they want to see what she's going to do when she's by herself. <laughs> so they called everybody to the back of the office that was part of the study. Now she's by herself. The beep goes off, and she stands up by herself. She sits back down. I would, I would like to think if I was by myself, I'd just sit down. So she stood up. She stood up by herself, sat back down, and now they're having appointments. There's a real doctor's office. They're just doing a study. A guy walks in for an appointment. He sits down. The beep goes off. She stands up. She sits back down, and he's looking at her confused. And in the video, he, he asks her, you know, what are you doing? She's like, we're supposed to stand up. Okay. Beep. They both get up. So finally, the whole office is full again, and everyone's joining her. She influenced everyone else to stand up in the office, and they're doing it like it was normal. So here's an atmosphere. Uh, Action began to influence her, and uh, she took it as normal over time. An atmosphere that's not normal can turn normal if you're in that atmosphere for a certain amount of time. After the experiment, they asked her why she began to follow the beeping noise. Her response was, I just saw everyone else doing the same thing, and it became normal. The man that had leprosy understood that the atmosphere of the city and what it was. Rather than going into that city that had already probably neglected them or would neglect them, and on top of that, they were in the middle of a famine. I have a friend that was in the military. He was a Cav Scout. He did a tour in Iraq and Afghanistan. And um, he no doubt he saw some things. He went through some things and uh, he was stationed in Georgia and he was with his family driving. And as he's driving, they're doing some road construction on the road. And uh, when he was driving, he heard a loud bang and it brought him back to Afghanistan and Iraq. And uh, just just because of the atmosphere he was involved in, it caused him to react So as he's on this freeway, he spun his steering wheel and almost went into oncoming traffic and caused a major accident, an accident. And so uh, the point I want to get at is here's an atmosphere. It his action. He reacted a certain way because of the atmosphere that he was involved in. If you place yourself in the wrong areas in life, you would develop a reaction that can create your character. But if you place yourself in the right atmospheres in life, you can begin to react and take the right actions. Amen. You can smash your thumb with a hammer. God, God bless everyone. <laughs> right? I'm just playing. You know, we 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 place ourselves in the house of God. We're in church. It's an atmosphere of encouragement. Right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. We can go through life. We can go through difficulty and struggle, and we can be stirred. Our faith can be stirred because of the word of God that's being preached. An atmosphere influences. In the book of, uh, uh, of Genesis, chapter three, verse seventeen. Through 19, how many of you marry and influence, right? Your spouse, you influence your spouse. Uh, I remember speaking with my parents. I was asking how long they've been married. And I was like, man, you guys have been married so long, you look like each other. <laughs> and my, my mom was like, shut up. Like, Don't say that. <laughs> but uh, then to Adam, he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife, you have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. And so here's Adam and Eve. She influenced her husband who was with her. It was an influence. She created an atmosphere because her husband was with her at the time. And man, can you imagine? I like to place myself in, in, uh, in Bible character shoes when you read the Bible. So can you imagine? Adam was created by God. Just poof. And there he was. God created man. And here he is. He's in the garden. He has the garden all to himself. And God realized, no, he needs a helper. He needs to help me. So God put him to sleep. And uh, when he woke up, he was, he was like, whoa, man. And that's where you get the word, word woman. <laughs> but, <laughs> here's Adam and Eve. You know, he named everything in the garden. But here's Adam and Eve. You, you marry an in influence. I've seen couples live for God. Maybe one of the spouses backslides. And over time, they begin to pull on the other because they developed an atmosphere of unbelief. Atmosphere influences. I've seen it happen the other way around, where a spouse is unsaved, but they developed a, an atmosphere of faith that was in the home and was able to win their spouse. Atmosphere influences. One, it's the voice you listen to. Adam and Eve. Here's Eve. She listened to the voice of the, serp- the serpent. And here's uh, uh, Adam listened to the voice of his wife. And after the voice you listen to, action follows. And when action follows, curses can develop. Can you imagine? Here's God created them and they chose to sin. If you want to be blessed, you have to change what you listen to. When you change what you listen to, you can develop positive action. And when you develop positive action, blessings can develop and God's able to use you in your life. Uh, God gives you power and the ability to overcome difficult areas in your life, Amen. In order to take the right action, you have to have hope and impossible possibilities. So the lepers looked for their options. Right, they're outside of the gate of the city. They already have leprosy. They didn't want to go out into the into uh, into the city that has a famine. So they they came up with an impossible idea, but it was an idea. So the lepers looked at their options and they stayed. Uh, if they stayed where they were, they were going to die. If they went into the city, they're going to die of starvation. They decided that they can go into the camp of the Syrians and maybe be put into a prison and at least survive and eat. But a miracle took place and God made their feet sound like a mighty army. God made their feet sound like a mighty army and they walked into the camp of the Syrians and it was completely desolate. It was empty. They left everything. They left money, they left food, they they left everything there. God's able to come through when it looks impossible. Joseph, we know the story in the Bible, is coat of many colors. He was favored by his father. Favored by his father, his brothers hated it. They sold him as a slave. Later on, he's accused of rape. He's thrown into a dungeon for two years. And he still believed in God. And later on, placed second in command over all of Egypt. Something that looked impossible became a possibility because he still trusted in God. Amen. God's promises passes the natural thoughts in your own minds. Amen. we can look at the natural in our, in our own minds. There's no way out of this. You can go through a difficulty and be like, you know what? There's no way that I can overcome this. If you give up, then you're never going to see the miracle. But if you trust in God, you can experience an impossible situation turn into a blessing. Are you continuing on for God? In Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. One, don't rely on the natural. I mean, we can look at things in the natural and begin to rely on the natural. I mean, God creates miracles. Man cannot create miracles. God makes what's impossible a possibility when you put your trust in Him. You have to rely on the professional. I remember uh, I watched another video for a reason. My, my car, the bearing in my car is when I was in Houston. Um, had messed up and got jammed, and I uh, watched a YouTube video like five minutes, and I was like, you know, what? I'm a mechanic, I can do this. <laughs> five minutes, man, this looks really easy. And so, I was gonna work on it. And my wife's telling me you need to have a professional do it, have a mechanic do it. I don't think you're gonna be able to do it. I was like, you know what? I watched the video, this is simple. So I went to O'Reilly's. I, I rent, I, I got the tool for free. They let me use it, and I jacked up my car and I started to to work on it. And it took me two days. <laughs> I had my car jacked up for two days trying to take the bearing off. And so finally, I had to take my tire off, uh, take it to a professional. And he's able to get it done within minutes. He had the right tools and everything to get it done. And I took it back, put it on my car. And as I'm putting it on my car, I had a guy from my church come down. And uh, he didn't really help me. He was there for moral support. <laughs> he was there. I took the tire out of my car. My car fell off the jack. And it was, it was a mess. And so, but I was able to get it done. But my wife told me, you should have relied on a professional. Sometimes we need to listen to our wives. <laughs> you should have relied on a professional. And man, in order for us to be able to uh, to break through, we have to rely on the professional. He knows how to put our lives together. What's interesting Rather than these lepers holding the blessings to themselves, they walked into the camp of the Syrians, they had it all to themselves, just four of them. Rather than holding the blessings to themselves, they wanted to share the wealth, afraid of what might happen if they kept it a secret. As believers this evening, rather than keeping what God has done for you a secret, you're called to share the blessings that God has given to you to other people. I mean, it's called a testimony. God has uh, given you breakthrough. You've overcome your condition. These men have overcome the condition that they were in. And they were afraid of being put to death if they didn't share the wealth. These four lepers, they were afraid, but God was able to come through for them. As believers, rather than keeping what God has done for you, you're called to share the blessings of what God has done. He's able to move in your life. He's able to touch you and he's able to help you. Amen. Peter denied Christ. Here he is, he denied Christ, and uh, he repented, and God was able to come through. He did a miracle. Your miracle in life can trigger faith in another person to have a miracle for themselves. Here are these lepers. They're struck with leprosy. They have nothing. Now they have the entire camp. I believe that these lepers had more joy seeing people, women, and children, families being able to eat during a famine because they're willing to share the wealth. Amen. Your miracle in life can trigger faith in another person to have a miracle for themselves. If you fail to proclaim, you can miss heaven. But if you proclaim, you not only enjoy the gifts from God, you're also able to be a part of someone else's miracle. One of the joys of uh, pastoring and pioneering is uh, being able to be a part of someone else's miracle. I remember Houston, you're you are know, witnessing, when I was pioneering, I was witnessing, believing God for people to get saved. And no doubt it's a small church, and we're just believing God for growth. But there's no, no greater joy as a Christian when you're a part of someone else's miracle. You know, I witnessed to them, they came to church, they're bound by drugs, their family's falling apart, maybe they're bound by alcohol, bound by depression, and you're a part of their miracle because you are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, what He has done in your life. There's no greater joy as a Christian than being a part of someone else's miracle. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 33, the Bible says, but whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And that's a pretty heavy statement. But as Christians, we're called to proclaim Christ. One, acknowledge what God has done for you. He's done miracles in our lives. He's set us free. Two, you have to proclaim it. And when you proclaim it, you can be a part of someone else's miracle. You take action. One, you have to diagnose your current condition. Understand where you're at in life. Avoid negative atmospheres. And have hope in impossible possibilities. You can see breakthrough in not only in yourself but you can see breakthrough in others also. You can see breakthrough in your life. You can see breakthrough in the church. You can see breakthrough in family and friends, loved ones. You're able to be a part of someone's miracle because you're willing to proclaim. If you proclaim, you're doing what God has called you to do, and you can enjoy the miracle and being a part of someone else's miracle. Amen. If I can have every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a few moments.
0: Amen. We thank you again for listening.